to another episode of the Lore Entertainment Podcast. I'm Andrew Southwick, and on this episode, joined by director Christopher Sean Shaw. And I got to say, I, this is an episode I'm looking forward to. Full disclosure, I go back a long way with Christopher Sean Shaw. And the amazing thing is, I've never been in the same room with him. I've never been even... I don't think I've ever even been on the same coast as you simultaneously, maybe a couple of times, but very rarely. So our whole friendship going back uh, more than 10 years now um, is all online, but it's a, it's one of those connections that God makes. And I'm excited to have Christopher on the show. We're going to talk a little bit about his career and also some of the projects that he's working on now. And uh, it's going to be a great conversation. So Christopher Shaw and Shaw, welcome to the Lore Entertainment Podcast. Thank you for giving us a little bit of your time today. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. Hi, everybody. Yeah. Now, okay, let's get right into it. So first, you're, I introduced you as a director. That's not how you started. Now, I don't have all your young pictures of when you were uh, you oh, were um, the, on the cover thing. of, <laughs> uh, when you were gracing the cover of Teen Beat Magazine, right? So <laughs> now people here, I'll give you homework for the lower audience. If you want to do some real good homework, Christopher Sean Shaw started out as a, you were an actor and and you you were an extra in the movie Men of Honor with Robert De Niro and Cuba Gooding Jr. And I know this is a thousand years ago and I get it. But here's the thing. You can find you can find the images of him. So go check that out. Look for it online. If you do come back to this episode, uh, put the picture in the comments. That'd be cool to see that there as well and see if anybody actually does that. I'll but give anyway. you a hint. It's a picture of me with more hair and Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> yeah. So you start out as an actor. You move into directing and, and just so people get uh, used to, uh, to know you a little bit. Why did you make the switch into directing? And what, what are some of the things that you said, hey, you know, I'd like to go behind the camera and and you found your groove there? That's a really good question. Um, I think the short answer would be um, the, I believe the Lord was doing something in my heart um, and and changing the desires of my heart. Um, however, the longer answer is I was always fascinated by movies. I loved watching behind the scenes stuff. Um, I love seeing the actors, you know, like what were they really like behind the scenes, that kind of thing. Um, as much as you can tell from watching a behind the scenes things as to what they're really like. But anyway, that always fascinated me. Um, but yes, I went to college for acting. I went to Otterbein college at the time. It's now Otterbein university in Westerville, Ohio. I was a theater performance major, bachelor of fine arts. And, um, I, but I do remember when, cause I had a VHS camera. Do y'all remember VHS and anybody, anybody old enough to remember VHS? Yeah, there you go. So, um, I had a VHS camera, um, um, during my college years and, uh, I would think of these ideas for scenes because I'm a very visual person. And so I would think of ideas for scenes that I could act in. And sometimes they were like incomplete. It was just like an idea. Like there's, you couldn't even make a whole short out of it. Sometimes you could. And then I would set up the camera and I would act in it in front of the camera. So I, it, I was kind of a one man crew um, to a certain extent, a lot of the times because I'd just be in my dorm room and I'd think of an idea and I'd frame up the camera but my point in saying all that is, is I used to think, man, I wish I could be in front of the camera and behind the camera at the exact same time. Um, obviously a, a physical impossibility for us mere mortals. Uh, but, um, but I loved both. 
Um, so anyway, just over the years, I found myself more and more behind the camera and eventually enjoying it more. And even when I was on the set as an extra on uh, a couple of different shoots, somebody would remark like, you look like a director, you know, that kind of a thing. And I thought that was kind of odd because I was definitely pursuing acting at the time. So, yeah, I would say uh, the Lord was changing my heart and I found myself more and more behind the camera and enjoying that more. What can you compare and contrast a little bit, the difference between acting and directing? And I mean, I would assume that you probably like directing more. That's what you do mostly. Yes. in, in, In your experience, what was, what was different about, about acting and directing? What are the, I mean, is there, because we know that, you know, in, in, on the one hand, if you're in front of the camera, you're giving that performance, but behind the camera, you're trying to extract that performance. And you, we, we always hear about actors and directors and their relationships. And some people like this style of directing and some people like that style of directing, but then it's reverse. Some directors like this style of acting and that style of acting and so on and so forth. Yeah. But what are some of the nuances in there? Cause I know there's a lot of overlap, but they are two different parts that need to work together, like a head coach and quarterback in football. So what is that? What does that compare and contrast for you? Um, my smart aleck answer is uh, being an actor. You have, uh, if you have lines, you have lots of lines to memorize. <laughs> being a director, you don't have to memorize the lines, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's actually a really good question that I, unfortunately don't have a really good answer for you know what you have to be prepared in both roles but i think as an actor you probably have to be more prepared and more on and be more aware of your surroundings and stuff um the other difference i would say is that um as a director you probably have more control over the performance than you would as an actor because as an actor um the way I like to direct is I like to see what the actors bring to the table. Mm-hmm. So I want to see what they thunk up because they might've thunk up something better than I thunk up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, uh, and yes, I'm a quirky goofball, but um, so I like to see what they bring to the table. And then if it needs tweaking or if I perceive that it needs tweaking, then tweak it and adjust it accordingly. Um, so in that sense, the director has more, uh, creative control, um, creative control as a topic in and of itself is a whole nother topic. I'm just talking in the context of here because the idea of a director having creative control is practically a 100% myth. It's, it's not really true, but when you're comparing acting and directing, I would say the director has more creative control than the actor, um, again, depending on the dynamic and how they work together and who the personality is and all that stuff. So sure that can be nuanced too, but in a general scenario, if you're not um, seeing what you want to see out of the actor's performance, you have the opportunity to course correct that and tweak that. So I would say that's a pretty big difference. Let's do, I want to get to some of your work here, but uh, that you, you bring to mind one more question here. So, you know, I got about a minute for this answer, but what do you, how do you get what you want out of actors? Every actor is different. Every actor wants different things. I always hear some actors don't like line readings and some directors always give line readings and that kind of stuff. You know, how do you tell, I feel like if I were a director, I would be giving line readings because I have this vision in my head of what I want to see and what I want to hear. And that's the other thing too. Actors always talk about 
Well, we, I never saw, I, I didn't know what it would be until I saw the finished thing, you know? So you have, you have those who are trying to give their best in the moment. And then you have the director who is trying to give his or her best for the whole thing, knowing what the end is going to, is going to be, or at least hopefully will be. How do you, how do you get that? How do you deal with different actors and actors? Do you have any go-to tips or, you know, muscle memory tactics that you use to get what you want out of your cast? You, you want me to answer that in a minute? <laughs> well, because I, talk, because I talk so much, it's 15 seconds now. So, oh, oh, oh yeah. Thank you. So <laughs> no, go uh, ahead. I think my short answer is what I like to do. And, and when I did this on um, church people, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, um, I actually called up some of the actors who had really key roles and I asked them how how do you like to be directed um, um, to, to, you know, to get your best performance. And to be honest with you, nearly everybody I asked seemed to be surprised by the question. So I'm, I'm guessing they don't get that question a lot. Um, but that's, that would be a pro tip. I would say if you're a director and you're open to um, directing one actor differently than you might direct another actor, then ask them, how, how do you like to be directed? Because you're correct. There are different styles of acting. Um, some I agree with, some I don't agree with, uh, but nevertheless, there's still different styles of acting. And so um, there's two, there's two main types of directing that I'm aware of. And I learned this from reading a book and I think it's called directing actors. I forget the author's name, but if you look up on Google directing actors, you should be able to find it or duck, duck, go, whatever your go-to is for searching <laughs> things. But um but uh, there's results oriented directing and there's discovery directing. And I think that has a, a better name than discovery directing. But the idea is results oriented is do it faster, do it slower, et cetera, et cetera. It's more of a, this is the result I want. And the discovery oriented directing is more along the lines of asking the actor questions that should lead to hopefully the result that you're looking for. But it's a, it's a way for them to discover it themselves as opposed to you telling them what you want. Um, yes. Um, that I think you have to have a certain finesse in being able to do it that way. I think it could potentially take significantly longer. I tend to be a results oriented director. Um, however, um, I'm open to collaborating with what the best fit is for that specific collaboration. Well, let's talk about a recent collaboration. How about your most recent collaboration? This was a film, I believe, was premiered at the 168-hour film festival, if I'm not mistaken. And that, for those who do not know what that is, that's a Christian film festival. You have one week to write your short film or write write your project, film it, edit it, get it all, get it in the can, and submit it. And that was actually was that film festival that. Where I first connected with Christopher Shaw and Shaw back in the uh, in the good old days. Uh, I don't know before. Uh, I was going to make a joke there, but I'm not going to. Uh, anyway, uh, we'll do a up. search online for Skip Listening and my name. Yeah, yeah, and do a search for um, How I Met My Father. Mm-hmm. And actually, that's on Amazon Prime. So if you go to Amazon Prime, Is it really, yeah, if you go to Amazon Prime, you can actually rent How I Met My Father. Andrew did the music for that. Yeah. And Andrew, uh, Andrew's old band Jericho did the, uh, the lyrical music for skip listening. 
Yeah. So. And Hangtown and I'm Not Drunk. Oh, I yeah. And Hangtown those. and I'm Not Drunk, which are on my YouTube channel. So if you go to yeah. my YouTube channel, then you can see Hangtown and I'm Not Drunk. And he did the music for that, too. So yeah. so we have a lot of experience with the 168. However, um, slight correction. The last three years I've done the 168, it's not the speed film category. Did you know that there's not that you can do other categories now? No one told me. Yeah. I'm so, surprised because they have my number. I don't know why they don't call. <laughs> That's not how the 168 works. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, yeah. So if you're a returning 168 producer, and by the way, to be a producer for the 168, all you have to do is like sign up to do a 168. You're a producer. It's as simple right. as that. There you because go. You're the one responsible for bringing your easiest, team together and, easiest barrier to entry to filmmaking right there. Exactly. Sign up for a 168 film project. Just go to 168film.com. And uh, it's too late to sign up this year, but next year is around the corner. Mm-hmm. But uh, but traditionally, like Andrew said, it's a speed filmmaking competition based on a theme for the year and a Bible verse. And so what happens is, is there's a verse assignment night. You randomly select a Bible verse. Each team typically gets a different verse related to the theme. And then you springboard into 10 or 11 days of writing the short film script. And then immediately after those 10 or 11 days that you have to write, you're thrust into the 168 hours, which is seven days to shoot, edit, score, turn in a finished short film. That's around 10 or 11 minutes. Um, Now in years in, and I would say the recent several plus years, they have more and more categories. They have a documentary category um, that doesn't, fall within the 168 parameters of 168 hours. You have Mm -hmm. longer to work on it. And they have another one that I've been doing a lot lately called the alumni entry. And that's returning 168 producers can sign up for an alumni project. And just like the unlimited documentary category, once you sign up, you can start working on it. So you can have months to work on it if you sign up early enough. And that's what we did for our most recent one. It's called lifeless, a musical zomedy. Musical zombie. There must be more zombie. to li- there must be more to life than death. Why don't you? T- we're, we'll get into the cast a little bit, but uh, tell us what it, what is it about, and where did that idea even come from? Uh, the idea came from the brilliant mind of Darren Kogan, who not only wrote the screenplay, he wrote the lyrics to the songs, and then our lead actor Aaron Folan, who some of your audience, I'm, I'm sure, a lot of your audience know who Aaron Folan is. He was our lead actor, our lead zombie, and uh, he also put music to Darren's lyrics. And I'm telling you, the the combo of Darren and Aaron, phenomenal, epic. And then Aaron also did our score. Um, but here's the log line. Three decades after the zombie apocalypse wipes out the entirety of human civilization, one lone zombie's undead heart yearns for and croons for something more actually groans for and croons for something more sorry i I screwed up the log line a little bit there but you get the gist it is a musical comedy with zombies they sing and so therefore it's a musical zombie and uh i'm telling you uh, darren kogan is the brainchild behind this one and now, okay, so let's get into the cast. You mentioned Aaron Fullen. This also features Victoria Jackson. Some will remember her from Saturday Night Live. And uh, also Brad Stein, a Christian comedian, had been around quite a while. And uh, funny, 
little tiny, uh, little tiny, I don't know, my gosh, I've forgotten how to use the English language in a coherent and professional way in any meanie little story that I have. Why don't I just embrace it? Forget about it. This is over. <laughs> um, I tried to book Victoria Jackson to do some stand-up comedy about 15 years ago, but she said no. So anyway, yeah, I know. I had wow. money and everything. Didn't matter. Anyway, I tried. Wow. So congratulations, because she's hard to book. That's all I'll say is that. Well, I've been I've been honored and privileged to work with her on multiple yeah. things. And we actually, Thor Ramsey and I, Thor Ramsey is the star of and one of the writers on Church People. Mm -hmm. uh, he and I are collaborating on a feature film with Victoria that stars her and Thor. And then we're also writing parts for, hopefully they will accept, uh, Billy Baldwin and China Phillips. There you go. Um, we're hopefully uh, going to reach out to Priscilla Shire. Okay. Uh, anybody out there know her? Okay. Maybe you could do a warm introduction, but <laughs> it is a hilarious comedy feature called My Next Door Neighbor. Of course, it needs funding. Uh, we're just, uh, we just recently got through the first draft. So we're now going through and revising it and making sure it, it's as funny as it can be and making sure the characters have the arcs they need and that kind of thing. So it's still in development, but uh, we do have a first draft of the script and um, it's hilarious. Um, so how did you, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. It's fine. I was going to say, how did you put together then the cast for lifeless? So what made you think of, well, let's get Victoria in here and let's get Brad in here. And, and well, uh, you know, what puts all those pieces together? So um, Victoria and I first started working on another project you were part of, Andrew Southwick. Huh. We worked on Something Smells Funny, which is a comedy cooking show. And so um, I asked Victoria on that shoot um, some questions about, you know, filmmaking and if she, you know, if there was ever like a part she could do that she never got the chance to do, what would it be? Because I was hoping to further collaborate with her beyond that show. And so we kept in touch and uh, she did um, a virtual 168 film project shoot with us. Again, it was alumni entry, so not 168 hours to do it, but it was a, it was called birthday brash, which you can find on crown entertainment's uh, YouTube channel. Um, it's a really fun short about a dysfunctional family and Victoria plays four different characters, including um, a little girl and Aaron Folan co-stars in that with her and he plays three different characters. And so it's this dysfunctional family getting together on a hilarious zoom call. Um, and so uh, at last year's one, six, eight festival where it won best comedy and best screenplay comedy um, Darren, we were given the theme for this year, which is the theme of time. And so Darren started thinking about like, you know, I think a lot of people are probably going to do time travel because that's the low hanging fruit. What can we do with time that, you know, is different and everything. And so uh, we wanted to work with uh, Victoria and Aaron again. So we uh, brought them on um, and uh, yeah, it became lifeless. Right on. And we uh, filmed in Victoria's neck of the woods. We filmed in Tennessee. Uh, we literally filmed inside one of her houses and, um, and it was, it was a really, really fun shoot. Let me bring up the graphic one more time. Uh, before we move on, let everybody know where can they, can they find this yet? Is it available to watch on any platforms? So it's, we're going to start um, putting it out to film festivals, starting with the one, six, eight. Um, uh, there is a, a runtime limit for short films at the one, six, eight, the alumni entries have a max of 12 minutes. So we actually have about a 15 minute short that we had to cut down to 12 minutes. It still works. Mm -hmm. um, not as 
good as the longer version, but good enough to stand on its own. And so that's going to premiere in early November. If you go to 168film.com slash festival, then you can find out more information about their premiere gala in, um, in uh, Georgia, Fayetteville, Georgia, outside of Atlanta at Trillis studios where they film like some of the Avengers stuff. Well, like okay. Spider, I think the last Spider-Man movie was filmed there. Right on. All right. Let's look. You mentioned uh, something smells funny. That was a cooking show that you did. And uh, let me, I want to bring, I think I've got the clip for that here. Yeah. Let me, let, let's play the trailer for this. Then you can talk a little bit about how that came about. Sure. Playing Big Mike. That was a lot of fun. You can't zest and talk at the same time. <laughs> yeah, you know. It's a cooking show, Scott. This is cooking has to happen. There's a comic in the kitchen. It's time for Something Smells Funny. Welcome to Something Smells Funny, the cooking show with stand-up comics. Everybody steals Dana Carvey's impressions. I've never done that. Never, never, not gonna do it. <laughs> My parents made me become a comedian. Really? Yeah, I wanted to be a lawyer or a doctor. And they said, no, no, we want a failure in the family. Okay. So, so, so. Now, did you personally cut the cheese or no? No. Okay. Because something smells funny, Bobby. You want to break them down really good, so make sure you crush them. Crush them. Fondling them, crushing them. Nobody ever asks me about my culinary skills. They don't? No, ever. This will be the blonde leading the blonde, okay, people? Well, what does that do? Anything Let's go to the bathroom really quick. Okay, no. yeah. Food can kill you. My uncle got run over by meals on wheels. Can you believe that? <laughs> this is going to be delicious. <laughs> it's a half hour show like we did with Plato and Sand at the Beach <laughs> she'll be so impressed if I did this I, she would be she'd be impressed that you're actually in the kitchen that does look I'm gonna be honest it looks just sick and disgusting Jimmy I'm gonna be totally honest with you I've been wanting to bite this since you got here well you don't just bite this guy you take a fork well I wasn't gonna just go face down like a pig <laughs> Super Popeye spinach explosion will make you big and strong. What's love got to do? <laughs> and to all of our viewers, we'll see you next time on Something Smells Funny. Thanks, everybody. This is so good. Oh, that's good. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that trailer. I've seen the shorter version of it, but I haven't seen that long one yet. That's so I saw that for the first time here. Wow. And, like and, and who did that incredible music under that it? was that was some good 50s groove in there. You know what? So, yeah, I got you gave me the opportunity to do that, uh, that little 50s groove underneath for the uh, the musical bed there for the and all. So when you told me about that project, for some reason, I had um, Al's at Happy Days in my head, if you remember the restaurant they went to. So, honestly, I was just kind of thinking, like, well, that that can have a nice groove, and it fits underneath, and you can kind of hear it and not hear it at the same time, and it has a nice little groove, and I thought it would fit well with the comedy because the beat's not super uh, um, defined one way or another. You could go a lot of different ways, and that would give you room for the rhythm of your edits and the rhythm of the, the dialogue. And, and so I just – I tried to channel my inner fawns and, and, uh, <laughs> give, give, which is hard to do. I, I mean, I have to get to some deep, deep places to bring out the fawns, but, uh, anyway, well, uh, um, yeah, it's a fun show. And, um, I, I, I want you to know, and I want to publicly say that, uh, Dr. Watson, the executive producer, 
um, loves your work. So thank um, you. Yeah. So we've, he's actually done music for, I have a pediatrician client in Southern California. His name is Tim Watson. So yes, he's really Dr. Watson. Like that's real name. (laughs) Um, and he's, he's a big kid. Um, we're similar in age. Uh, he's about a year and a half older than me. And, uh, and he, and Scott Wood, um, we're taught Scott, Scott's a, Scott's a client of his, uh, mm-hmm. cause his kid Scott's kids went to him as their pediatrician. And so, uh, Tim was telling him like, you know, it, it some, some things that kind of get under his skin when it comes to, uh, improper clinic etiquette, like for the clientele that come. And so back in 2012, we first did a bunch of sketches that was an over the top comedic look, not mean spirited, but just a way to communicate in a funny way. Like here's proper clinic etiquette when you come to the clinic, like how you dress and, you know, take care of your personal hygiene and stuff like that. Right. And so we did these over the top things. So every couple of years we would do sketches and Scott Wood had this idea for uh, comics in the kitchen and they would be, it would be like a talk show, but in the kitchen making an actual dish where the comic would come in with a recipe and show Scott how to do it. And that was the original idea. And Dr. Watson was like, well, hey, why don't we put a healthy spin on that and let's make it somewhat healthy dishes? And so uh, Dr. Watson decided he would executive produce it. So we uh, put together four episodes. It's uh, currently on Tubi, uh, Mm -hmm. Tubi.com or download the free app and just type in something's most funny. You can watch all four episodes. And I think it starts with a highlight featurette episode because they needed five. And so we cobbled together a featurette, which is like highlights of those four episodes. But then each one beyond that is those individual four episodes. And Andrew's music is throughout all of them. There it is. Yeah. Um, all right. So we got a little, and I got to, because I want to make sure we get the trailer in for church. People will talk about that. That was also another long one that took years to make. So the process of filmmaking can be long and arduous and difficult. And one of the great things about lore is it cuts out some of that middleman work and it does. The work still is there. The fundraising is still there. And this film church people really, Christopher, I think is one of, for any filmmaker, I think it's an incredible achievement and you were able to do it. And it was received so well when it came out and uh, it, it still moves on. My, my, my son, uh, uh, he was so excited when the film came out and got the DVD and all that kind of thing. And, and, and so, but, but for filmmakers to have, I want to make a feature film and I want to cast it and I want to raise the funds and I want to get it to be distributed. Most films, most, the vast majority never get there. The ones that do oftentimes take years. You were able to achieve that accomplishment, to see it happen, to see it through. Obviously, there's more work to be done. You're still working in the career. But this, I thought, I was really happy for you because it was the first big one. So give us a 30,000-foot view of just getting this film off the ground and getting it made, and then we'll we'll show a clip. All right. So um, I reached out. Uh, yeah, there's a long story behind this. So 30,000 foot view, let's go 40, 40,000 foot view. So just <laughs> understand that, that even with, with the gaps, there's lots of hills and valleys in this. So in 2009, I connected with Thor Ramsey on Facebook and um, we had sparse communication, but very long story short, we ended up working together on 
a one six eight speed film project called Skip Listening. This is one hundred sixty eight hours to shoot, edit, turn it in. Skip Listening. Um, if you search it online, you can probably find it. Um, that was my very first of many collaborations with Thor. And on as we were prepping to do that, he told me about this script he had called Youth Group. And at the time, he wanted to, to direct and star in it. Uh, again, long story short, turns out he ended up, he didn't want to direct it. Um, so he let me direct it. And so what we did later in 2010, so this is in 2010, mind you. Later in 2010, we shot a proof of concept trailer, which I highly recommend doing if you have the resources to do it. Uh, we cobbled together a team, um, paid some people, didn't pay everybody, uh, but it was basically a mock trailer. This is what the movie could look like if it was funded. And then, you know, I shared that all over social media. Um, again, long story short, it gets in front of Stephen Baldwin. Uh, Stephen Baldwin, uh, tries to help find funding for it. Again, very long story short, Mike Lindell ends up funding the project. You know, my pillow, Mike Lindell um, funds the project. We shoot it in 2016. Again, long story short, it releases via Fathom events in 2021. So remember, I came on the project in 2010. It isn't in theaters until 2021. And then it wasn't on DVD until 2022. That is like the 50,000 foot view right there. So let me ask you this question. <clears throat> if you had an opportunity where you can, you know, a, a more direct crowdfunding, you know, way to help out, do you see that just in terms of your fundraising? That's part of what Lure is doing and changing some of the paradigm of that. How do you see, how would you see, how would you see that changing how films get made? Just, I mean, from well, I think your, it's certainly, I think it's certainly a, a, a monumental step and a, and a monumental undertaking. Um, that is, I mean, I, I like to joke that that's the filmmaker's F word funding. I mean, yeah. it is, I mean, I mean, and, and then I guess the filmmaker's D word is distribution, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, because that was the long, I mean, it was a 20 day shoot. Yeah. We knocked it out in 20 days, but years before to get to that point, years after to get released. I mean, and it was about the same on both sides. I mean, it was like an 11 year, process when it was all said and done actually and it was longer for thor because i came on the project after he had written like five or six drafts or more so um anyway yeah so uh crowdfunding is challenging and lots of people are trying to crack that nut i have a project that's a sitcom that's going to be crowdfunding soon i have a dog you series that's about service dogs that's going to be crowdfunding that's currently crowdfunding actually so there's yeah Crowdfunding is kind of oversaturated and there's got to be a way to do it, but funding is one of the biggest hurdles. And, but again, that's why, again, I'm not trying to make this back to a commercial about lure, but I want to make sure that people understand because they're still educating about what lure is and how it yeah. works, where instead of the studios and the executives deciding, here's what you can see instead of those executive, those same executives and micromanaging it along the way. That's what I was just going to say, going downstairs from their offices and saying, Hey, I want you to make this change and that change thereby watering down, neutering, whatever great story was, was and worse. The Coke can. Put that in the, scene <laughs> yeah um this is that's not here there are there are guidelines for storytelling and filmmaking with lore as it pertains to what lore will carry based on the christian faith that founds the company but it's that opportunity where you can decide now 
would you give, I got two questions for you. So I'm going to ask you this one. We'll play the clip. And then I got one after that. And okay. so I know you're going to go in a couple of minutes and, and I uh, thank you for maybe about five extra here to wrap up. Yeah, this conversation. No worries. Um, what is an encouragement that you might give to many of these filmmakers? Many, some of them are on lore right now, hoping to get their projects funded and made or their second episodes going so on and so forth. You just walk through a, a more than a decade journey of, of this project, but you saw it through. What's an encouragement that you can give to these filmmakers who are many of them, maybe they're at the beginning or somewhere in the vague middle of the journey that you were just on? As hard as it can be, and it can be very challenging at times, there were multiple times where I thought, like, is this movie ever going to, I mean, even after it was shot, is this movie ever going to come out? <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and there are stories of movies getting shot. So they've been through the fundraising. They've been through the prep and the pre-production, the production and the post-production. And then the movie never sees the light of day. I mean, that kind of stuff has happened. So as hard as all that stuff can be, in my personal opinion, it's easier to get content out there now than it was, say, 20 years ago. It just is. And we have practically no excuse. Feature films have been shot on devices like this. So my encouragement and challenge to you is what's your excuse? Because you probably at least have one of these to practice with. Right. But okay. So maybe you don't have the camera that you do want to use to do a more professional looking shoot. You probably know somebody who does or you know somebody who knows somebody who does. I mean, like two monumental resources for me that I believe the Lord used to help me was social media, because when I would do stuff, I would post it on social media. And that's how Thor knew I existed, basically, other than connecting as Facebook friends. I was sending him these quirky little videos with my goldfish and other comedians. And so I was on their radar. Um, so what's your excuse? I mean, do you have at least one of these that you could shoot stuff with? And, and, and I mean, can you sign up for a one, six, eight, and they're not paying me to say this. It's just a phenomenal experience. And if you have like-minded people surrounding you who know what they're doing, then your content could be well-received. If your content is well-received, then people want to work with you. Mm -hmm. So what's your excuse? Produce, produce, produce. Well, and speaking of produce, 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 let's take a look at a trailer of the finished product. Now, the movie started out uh, called Youth Group. It ended up being called Church People. You got hooked up with Stephen Baldwin, and of course, he's in the 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 movie as well. So is China Phillips and, and Billy Baldwin. They have mm-hmm. uh, they have a scene in there as well. Stars Thor Ramsey and uh, just an incredible cast. I don't know if they saw him. There's there's so uh, it just, it's very. Let me shut up. Here's the trailer. <laughs> We broke attendance records. I get the church logo tattooed on my arm. Yeah, remember back when we first started? All we did was preach the gospel. Ooh, Superman works. I like Superman. Guy, what do you think? What happened to you? Me? Your dad is the one with the gimmicks. The power of the Holy Spirit propels us. I just went to church to get back to the gospel. Problem is you're trying to get your message across. The gospel. Right, right, right. And ain't nobody listening to that. Man. A good Friday and Easter. I need something big. Amen. Bigger than the resurrection. Bigger 
than anything we've ever done. National headlines. Preach on the death and resurrection of Jesus. An actual crucifixion. Uh Uh-oh. By placing the nails through your palms in the right place, we hope to avoid major nerve damage. Operation Stop, Skip is a go. That's awesome. You have to cancel this Good Friday stunt. Don't be so dramatic, honey. Ooh, I like the rusty ones. What are you going to do? I told him he's insane. I've been praying for you about that toe fungus. This could be beneficial for all parties involved. We foster a yes environment here. (laughs) God wanted me to marry you and you could be my wife. I have an answer for you. Uh, that, that's so well done. Uh, give me your, how, I'm going to add one question here. How did you feel about the response when it came out? I know it had the fathom events and, and uh, then of course, you know, it goes to screaming and, and DVD and all the, the extra distribution. What was that like to, to enjoy some of that success to see it received and, and get uh, a great uh, critical review as well. Um, talk a little bit about uh, the post release and, and enjoying, Hey, this film is made. People are seeing it. It's being received. Well, uh, first, let me say how you, how you can see it. If you go to my website, which is on the screen here, ChristopherShawnShaw.com, there is um, an affiliate link to get it the DVD on uh, Amazon. Um, also, it's streaming. Um, it's all over the place. It's on Amazon Prime Video. It's on Tubi. Um, uh, if you don't mind watching it with ads, um, it's on Roku, Up Faith and Family, Pure Flix. Um, it's Google Play, Apple TV. So if you just type in church people into your URL, you'll probably find it pretty easily. Um, but, um, it's, 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 it's been great. Um, honestly, because, um, and there were some concerns as to how well it was going to be received because, you know, my director's cut was significantly longer than what it it ended up being, but kudos where kudos is due. They ended up doing it without losing major story elements. So, Um, it's 96 minutes. Um, the, the responses have been by and large, very favorable. Um, and, um, I don't know if you know this, Andrew, but, um, recently found out that, uh, it made movie guides, top 10 faith-based comedies. I read that. I was going to bring that up. So I'm glad you did. Congratulations. So for what it's worth, movie guides, top 10 faith-based comedies. So I hope that encourages you to see it. I would love to hear your feedback, even if you didn't like it, why you didn't like it, but if you liked it, why you liked it. And of course, um, you know, we don't have tons of marketing um, uh, behind it. So please feel free to share it on social media and share this interview. And um, yeah, so we'd love the word of mouth (laughs) attention to it. But yeah, by and large, it's been very favorable and we've been uh, very, very pleasantly surprised. So let me ask you this go home question here. This is uh, not not about any, not about the films we've talked about here, but just one, because again, Lore is a Christian company. Uh, one of the, one of the things that we have talked about on many podcasts in different ways. And I know even you addressed some in making church people was the cheesiness of Christian media and entertainment. And we, there's, there's a million different reasons as to why it's not just cheesy because Christian talent sucks. In fact, that's the least of the problem. 
There are other reasons why, but Church People was one of those films that changed that. Even the, the, the comedic pace is different from Christian comedies that preceded it. You know, how has, how have you seen Christian films and Christian storytelling change for the better? Really? You can look just over the course of making church people up, up to now. And are you optimistic that Christian filmmaking will continue to improve that we can leave some of the cheese behind and make films of high quality, but also of eternal and kingdom impact. Yes. Um, I think it's gotten significantly better over the past couple of decades. Um, what are, I mean, what are some of the things you think have improved? I think production value has improved, uh, dramatically. Um, I think, um, you had mentioned there's multiple factors that can go into why a movie doesn't work. But honestly, I believe it starts with the story and the script. If you have a compelling story and script, a well-written script, then it makes the other parts at least a little easier because you have that foundation there. And that's, that's a major part of the foundation is story and script. I mean, how many times have we seen the same old, same old, same old type of movie where, you know, you got to save the farm or you got to save the house. You got to, I mean, like, bring a different spin to it, have a compelling story, have a compelling script. Satires are a great way to do that. Comedies are a great way to do that. Um, but yeah, I think it's getting better. Um, I still think we have a long way to go, even myself personally. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. And I think there's been multiple filmmakers out there that have shown it can be done. Well, Christopher, there's a lot more that we can cover. I don't have time. We don't have time. I've already kept you over time. You got a family waiting. I've got. Can a family I say waiting. one more thing before I wrap up the show? You can say one more thing. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I just want to say that if you're watching this and you're a pastor or you know a pastor who would be interested in screening church people, I will let you know that screening is available. Um, if you go to churchpeoplefilm.com. Um, there's, uh, ways that you can get a license to screen it. And I also want to let you know that Thor and, or I are available to attend via, uh, to do a Q and a afterwards. So if you want to hear more of the story of how it came about and how we met and how it, you know, how the process went, then you can invite us to come and do a Q and a, and we can do that in person or we can do it over zoom. Are you, that's all right. <laughs> uh, don't tempt me. I mean, I, I'm sure I could think of more. Um, so Thor and I have numerous yeah. scripts that need funding. If you want to yes. help. Out. <laughs> okay, there you go. Let's talk about all of them. Okay. Let's, yeah, let's talk about all no, of them. So all this right, log do, line and that log line. Right, well, and but I will say we do have a political satire and a satire on the abortion industry that are very intriguing and hilarious and poignant that, um, Need funding sooner than later. Well, you can find out uh, all that and more. ChristopherSeanShaw.com. ChristopherSeanShaw.com. You see it right there on the screen or his handle at Director CSS. Director at Director CSS. You can find him all over the place there. He's got YouTube and Facebook. And are you on Twitter too? I am at Director CSS. Uh, At Director CSS on Twitter, Instagram, or, or actually I think it's called X now. So, X? No, I'm yeah. not going to do that. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> what do you call? What do you call a tweet now? You call I, it an X? 
I exited. See, that's the thing. I don't know. I exited. I don't that know. Sa- that sounds, I don't like the sound of that. Yeah. I don't like that. That's too, no. Nope. Not playing it. Okay. You can see all my X's in all their glory. Wait, that doesn't sound right. On X. <laughs> On X. I just, I can't. I can't do it. It's like the Washington Commanders football. That It'll never happen. All right. <laughs> That's enough. We are derailing here, which is a good time to get off the rails. Christopher Sean Shaw, thank you for your time and your extra time here uh, on the show today. Really appreciate you having you on. We will have you back in the near future. Uh, for Christopher Sean Shaw, I'm Andrew Southwick. This has been the Lure Entertainment Podcast. Let us know what you think in the comments below. Like, share, subscribe, do all the things that you know you're supposed to do that only take three seconds. So again, there's no excuse. Do it. Like, share, subscribe, leave us some comments. Let us know what you think about the show, other questions you might have uh we uh, love to hear your feedback for christopher sean shaw i'm andrew southwick again this is a lower entertainment podcast and we will see you next time